Welcome to Smart Cleaning School. Are you ready to reshape your mindset and grow your cleaning business? Step into today's class with your guide, Ken Carfagno, so you can win for your family. Welcome back to the Smart Cleaning School podcast, helping cleaning professionals make the impact that they were meant to make. Oh, this is going to be part four of the Perfection series and part two, Excellence versus Perfection. But before we go there, I have a Funny Papers edition to share. Okay, this is called Text Thread Torture. Have you ever been on a text thread? Okay, if you're an Apple user, you can laugh at us Android people because when you get a text thread on Apple, you can just go in, from what I understand, and just take yourself off the text thread. Not so in Android. Let me give you an example. I've recently been added to a family text thread. I love my family. Obviously, I'm a family guy. This text thread has 14 members of our extended family on text thread. And whenever one person has a comment, everybody on the text thread gets it. There is a recent lunar eclipse that happened to hit the text thread and my phone was blowing up for hours and that happened day after day after day for about a month. Mom, I love you, but please don't add me to any more text threads. I even texted her, Mom, can you please take me off the text thread? I can't do it. She says, I can't either. I'd have to delete it or start a new one. I said, I can't do it either. I went on to different Google help pages, and sure enough, I found the answer. Android users, you are trapped. Ha, ha, ha. Apple created the text thread. Ha, ha, ha. Android, you're stuck. So what I had to do was mute the text thread, but it still would ding, ding, ding. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so here's what I'm thinking. Text thread torture. Do you have a cherished loved one that you want to get back? Do you have an April Fool's Day gift to give to someone? Or do you just have someone that you just want to annoy? Okay, if you fall under any of those categories or said yes to any of those, then here's what you do. You set up an Android text thread with about 20 members and you start sending messages like, Hi, it's me. How are you? And then you just watch people start blasting, then they can't get off. You'll see some people leaving, I suppose, are the Apple people, but anyway. Okay, text thread, torture. Don't actually do it. It was bad. All right, so to the episode, Excellence versus Perfection, Part 2. When I started this podcast, I predicted certain themes would come up often, like pricing, people skills, leadership, business owner mindset, and definitely cleaning efficiency. But I never saw the theme of overcoming fear emerging so often. In Yeah, That's Fear, one that was done about a month ago, we explored the three failure diseases of excusitis, detailitis, and procrastination. Go back and listen to that episode and refresh yourself. Fear disguises itself in so many ways. Fear causes us to stop taking action or never start. I want to share a story in this episode from my friend, James Hardy of The Carpet Guys. 
He is such an expert in floor cleaning and carpet and upholstery restoration that it's preventing him from scaling his business to the next level. This was definitely me for years as a solo cleaner. First, I'll share the story and then we'll unpack it. This will become part four of the Perfection series, which now includes Excellence vs. Perfection Part 1, Accept the Uncertainty, and Perfection is the Enemy. Each of these episodes has covered different angles on how perfection crushes our productivity and growth. So I encourage you, Smart Cleaning School, go back and listen to these three episodes so that you can be ready for what I have in store for you here today. Here's my James Hardy story. Jim apprenticed as a carpet cleaner at 17 years old and moved into his own business soon after. We're at the same age, so that's over 25 years in the trade. Malcolm Gladwell penned mastery of a skill after 10,000 hours of hands-on training in his book, Outliers. By that measure, Jim is far beyond at 50,000 hours of carpet, upholstery, and floor cleaning. Jim knows the science of floor cleaning better than anyone I know. He has a reputation in our area as the Cadillac of carpet, upholstery, and floor cleaning services. In fact, Jim does restoration cleaning, which restores the carpet to its original condition. I've seen him work, and he's truly an artist. A couple of weeks ago, Jim asked me to breakfast at Sammy's Bullfrog Cafe. Backstory. In early 2020, I released Apologize with Action. I was submitting a cleaning proposal to Sammy's at this time and also made an introduction to James Hardy. Sammy never ended up hiring our cleaning service, but he did hire Jim for carpet cleaning for every six months since. I said yes to breakfast and asked him why the sudden invite. Ken, I was out at Sammy's on Monday night doing my regular cleaning, and I just wanted to see how the carpets turned out. Would you come with me? I said, sure. I guess he didn't want to go there alone. I just had to make a pit stop first at the vacuum cleaner store, and then I met Jim shortly after. He was already surveying the carpets, and he shared this. I moved all the tables off the carpet and cleaned it once like normal. But it was really dirty, Ken, and I wasn't satisfied. So I ran the machine a second time. It looked good, but I know that the final presentation of the cleaned carpet doesn't set for 24 hours. I usually get out to as many jobs as possible the next day to do an inspection. I didn't really feel that good about the job Monday night when I went home, and so I wanted to come and see it again this morning. I felt weird coming here alone. Thanks for coming. Teresa and I come into this cafe at least once per month. And I see the condition of the cafe. They get a lot of guests, a lot. They're really fast growing and they're very popular in our area. I'm a cleaner and I notice things like dirt. As Jim was relating this story and displaying his obvious fear of the carpets not turning out great, I was marveling at the carpets. I thought they looked amazing. I'm a cleaner and thought that. But Jim wasn't convinced. His perspective was through a perfect 10 on the scale of restoring the carpet to brand new. He saw the blemishes and the imperfections. I saw a beautiful carpet. He saw what he missed. I saw what he did. At the end of the meal, 
Jim paid the tab as a thank you for me accompanying him to breakfast and making him feel better. I thanked him this way. I said to the hostess after Jim paid, don't these carpets look amazing? This is the guy that does them for you. I pointed to Jim. The hostess smiled and then raved about how impressed she was with the carpets when she arrived into work that morning. You should have seen Jim's demeanor change instantly. As we walked outside, I shared this with Jim. In my solo days, Jim, everything had to be my standard, and I was always afraid I would never be able to duplicate the cleaning. Who could ever be as perfect as me? I patted him on the back. Jim, your standards are too high. I'm not a carpet cleaner, and I'm looking at your work with admiration. The hostess agrees. Even though you don't think they look perfect, opinions from others that matter believe you did a great job. Jim thanked me for the encouragement. Then he realized that he needed to release the grip he had on his control. Furthermore, I was in Sammy's the next morning for breakfast with my wife and had a chat with the owner. This part is epic. Sammy said this to me. Thank you so much for recommending James Hardy to us a few years ago. He does a great job. I then shared what happened the previous day with Sammy and our waitress. They were stunned that Jim wasn't pleased with his work. The waitress noticed right away when she walked in. The owner, Sammy, who pays Jim, said this with a laugh. Yeah, the carpets probably did need to be cleaned twice. They were dirty. I shared this feedback with Jim via text after that interaction. Jim thanked me again for my encouragement. See, it really helped him to see the difference between excellence and perfection. Okay, let's break this down now. In part one of this perfection series, I defined perfection as trying to reach the quality that makes you, the cleaner, happy, and excellence as the quality to make your customer happy. I've noticed that reaching a score of 8 out of 10 on the perfection scale is excellence. It's also the 80-20 rule, where you can get 80% of the customer happiness on achieving 20% of the tasks. Just follow me on this. You can do a great job on the vital few to achieve 80% customer happiness. To get from an 8 to a 10 requires you to go all in and crush the other 80% of the possible tasks. This is unachievable and unprofitable to go after those 20% at the end. Jim is so good at carpet cleaning that he perceives an 8 as poor quality. And by the way, so did I before I started scaling. That's why he's not stopping at 8 and he's going for a perfect 10 every time. It is causing him to clean the carpet twice sometimes and double check quality the next day. This may or may not be necessary, but can you see how it costs him time, money, and emotional energy? It's exhausting. In Jim's mind, he let down the customer because he did not achieve a perfect 10. The customer sees the carpets through a totally different lens. They've been looking at the carpets all month. They're nasty. They're dirty. They were at a score of two or four or maybe even a six. And then Jim shows up and improves them to an eight or nine. This is as much as a four times increase in quality to the customer. They are ecstatic. Consider this as well. Most cleaning companies are leaving jobs 
with a quality of five. I know this because I've personally cleaned after other cleaners for close to 20 years, and I've seen what the customer has had to deal with. This is also why they've been willing to pay more for my service and companies like Jim's. We clean with excellence and can provide two to four times the improvement in quality. That is excellence. How do we make the customer happy? Do that. Do you follow me here? Are you still not convinced that an eight is good enough to make everyone happy enough to keep you long term? All right, let me break something down to all my perfectionist friends out there. I'm going to make the point to you this way. Because you're saying, no, Ken, I, I, I hear you, but eight's not good enough. Nine, no, I can't live with a nine. 9.5, no, no, 9.9. Okay, when will you ever be happy? Follow me on this one. Let's talk about the perfect 10. I have two examples from sports. The International Gymnastics Federation established the Olympic scoring point system from zero to 10 in 1881. In the 115-year lifetime of this scoring system, which ended in 2006, in gymnastics, only six women and one man ever achieved a perfect 10. That's seven perfect 10s out of thousands and thousands of floor routines in 115 years. How about this one? The perfect game in baseball is just as rare in the 146 years and 218,400 games of professional baseball played, there have been only 23 perfect games. That's 0.01% for professional baseball pitchers and similar probability for Olympic gymnasts to have a perfect game or perfect floor routine. You want some more perspective? 0.5% of high school baseball players ever even make it to the big leagues and as few as 1 in 500,000 gymnasts ever make it to the Olympics. This is staggering. Only the upper 0.5% and lower in the case of gymnastics, of high school and college athletes ever make it to the highest stage. Of these experts, less than 0.01% ever reach perfection. Here's one last one. There have been over 110 billion people to ever live on the earth, and only one has ever achieved perfection. His name is Jesus. Are you hearing me on these statistics? Mr. and Mrs. Perfection, what makes you think you'll achieve it? You can't. Even if you were to be the one in 1.1 gazillion that did, would it increase your happiness, your productivity, your usefulness, and your profitability enough to be worth it? Come on. No, it won't. There is a law of diminishing returns that I studied in engineering school. It aligns with the 80-20 rule really well. And with this example, you feel a great benefit for a certain portion of the effort you put in. Any additional effort only adds small and incremental benefit. That small and incremental benefit 
is not profitable, and it's certainly not scalable or sustainable. And this incremental benefit I'm talking about occurs from 8 to 9 and even more so from 9 to 9.5, and even more so from 9.5 to 9.75, and even more so from 9.75 to 9.9, etc. This is how a normal distribution curve works as well. I'm not going to get into this at all, but trust me, 0 to 8 is a big chunk, and you can grab that. And you can do it. And then you had diminishing returns on all the things I talked about, productivity, profitability, etc. All right, let's move towards wrapping this one up. Perfection is part of the failure disease of detailitis. It can also be an actual disease of the mind, which we covered in part two of this series. In most cases, however, perfectionism in the form of detailitis is rooted in a four-letter word. That word is spelled F-E-A-R. Fear. What fear is causing you to not let go? For me and Jim, it was the fear that the work wasn't good enough. But digging deeper, the fear was, could anybody else ever clean as good as I can? Going one level deeper, the fear was either being afraid of scaling a company and failing due to quality or possibly growing a company through a team and succeeding. Yes, fear of failure and fear of success are real. I've struggled with both, but something magical happened this February, and I shared this story with Jim. Jim, I made the decision to grow the C3 experience through a team of professionals working with ownership, excellence, and safety. We set a goal to go to Florida for a month as the reward, and we achieved it. I put everything into these amazing people that I could before leaving for Florida, knowing I selected people who aligned with the C3X core values. I had to trust them for a month while I was gone. I trained them to get an excellence score of 8 out of 10, not 10 out of 10, Jim. Then I left for Florida with my family, and here's what I discovered. I left with my fist clenched tightly around the quality of the work and my control over what was being cleaned. I was a micromanager in every sense of the word. When I was gone for that month, I could not even lay eyes on any building. I had to trust the training I had put into these amazing C3 team members. Everyone showed up for work. I started hearing from customers that the cleaning was going great. They were happy. My grip loosened each week. When I got home, nothing broke. No one quit. No one fired us. I did quality inspections and most were still at eight and above. I was able to point out a few things to improve in each building that were more systematic misses versus every time misses. In other words, it was easy to notice when cleaning items that were important were not getting done or getting done well. This allowed me to view the business from a new vantage point. It surged my confidence to grow and scale with a team. I now had a system of inspecting the work less often while maintaining an overall excellence score of eight. Every client remained happy. Every team member felt no pressure and enjoyed their jobs. My tightly clenched fist 
was now open-palmed, and it was time for the company to grow to serve more customers and provide more great jobs for the community. My perfectionism was holding back the benefit to my community. That was a major eye-opener to me. Jim agreed with me. Coach Josh agreed with me. What about you? You've been exposed to four podcast episodes on perfection and several others on fear. What are you afraid of? If you're a solo cleaner, I am not advocating that you grow a team. I'm simply saying that you can accomplish more with less. Just learn to achieve excellence over perfection. If you're a growing cleaning company, I am not advocating to lessen your standards. I'm saying that you need to assess what your customers want and just over-deliver on that. This is excellence. This allows everyone to grow. This creates the win-win for the business and the customer and the employee. This is how business should be done. Woo, all right. That was definitely a fun racetrack to run on, doing these four perfection podcast episodes, especially going into part two of this excellence versus perfection. So thanks for tuning in here today. I just want to ask you this question before we take off. Are you struggling with perfectionism like we've talked about, like Jim's been dealing with? Would you like to talk to me about it? Feel free to book a free coaching call on the Smart Cleaning School website. And while you're there, check out the Smart Cleaning Tribe. We are a family of cleaning company owners who connect every week via Zoom to brainstorm, solve problems, set goals, hold each other accountable, and support each other. All right, Smart Cleaning School, enjoy the rest of your day in excellence. Thank you for listening to Smart Cleaning School. Class is dismissed. 